0: Episode 101, James Roberts. Here's to the next hundred. Welcome, to Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. Tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Worlds they live by, for example, put the cookie down. Origins, biggest failures, fears, awakening moments, Yoda questions, yin yang, the alpha round, and their wake up question to finish check out this fantastic podcast do the little guy a favor subscribe and review it'll help get him off my back if you want to take it to another level the alpha ultimatum for men worldwide who know they are capable of way more go to adamlewiswalker.com click get involved and you have the application form right there get to the podcast right good morning guys we have an elite one for you today. We have double Paralympian James Roberts on here. He's an ex-teammate of mine. Real nice guy. He competed at the 2008 Beijing Paralympic Games in the rowing. And then between the four years between the 2012 Olympics, Paralympics and Olympics in London, he made the transition to sitting volleyball, which is where our paths crossed. He went on to compete for Great Britain. He earned over 50 caps in sitting volleyball. Which, which we we'll talk about, is the fastest version of volleyball on a planet. It's faster than standing volleyball, faster than beach volleyball. It is awesome. Um, he's considered a universal player and keen defence. I mean, Great Britain did really well to actually make the games in 2012, and they finished in eighth place. Um, he's a left leg amputee and is classified as a D athlete. We'll find out exactly what that means in a minute. But firstly, James, are you ready to awaken your alpha? Yes, I am. Good stuff. So uh, I'm going to jump straight with that. What is a D athlete? For everyone? Um,
1: the qualification is for anybody who has a impairment, uh, be it amputee. So it's more a physical disability that will stop you playing normal volleyball. So that's the definition they give.
0: So I'm going to jump straight into the uh, the origin question. But you're originally from Belgium. How did you obviously make your way over to these shores? Number one and. Uh, how did you qualify and, you know, become a D-athlete? Tell us the origin, basically. What happened?
1: <laughs> well, um, I was born in Belgium because my mother worked for NATO. Okay. So I lived out there for 18, 19 years. Uh, during that time, I was I started out as a swimmer mm-hmm. and we kind of uh, discovered, uh, well, I started out as an everybody club. Yep. Uh, asked, uh would i like to, would i ever consider doing disability sport and this was me at a teenager i thought why would i want why would i want to do that when i can compete with able bodied kids yeah really?
0: what were you, uh, so you were born with this disability or how did that come about yeah.
1: mine is uh well the medical term for it is uh congenital femoral dysplasia so the easiest way of explaining it it is the lower half of my leg, so below the knee, yep. So I've yep. got the femur, uh, but I don't have a tibia and fibula, and it's attached to the hip. So, I mean, you said,
0: yeah, you said you was obviously you was competing in swim with able-bodied people. I mean, what yep. did you want to be when you was growing up? Did you ever think, you know, you'd be able to sort of spend the amount of time you did and actually have it almost as full-time career, you know, training for your sports and going to the Paralympics? What did you want to do when you was growing up?
1: when i was growing up I want, I want i wanted to be a footballer or, or play basketball so yeah. it's it's always been a part of my genetics i wanted to to get to the elite level but as i got older i've kind of got to the realization well football and, and basketball that's not realistic because i've got a disability and then it's kind of springball from that i've gone into swimming and there's kind of progressed from there and then I managed to make it to the elite level, so I got to realize my my lifelong goals, what I wanted to do as a kid. Yeah, just in part, just a different pathway.
0: When you was growing up, apart from the obvious ones, did you come up against many barriers as as you know someone who's got missing their lower part of their leg, or did it not really affect you in any way? Were people quite understanding when you was at school?
1: Um, I had quite good good support network at school. There's maybe things I couldn't do, but uh, as my parents would say. You could see could see my head ticking over. Oh, I could see the other kids that do it, say, playing on the monkey bars. Yeah. And then you could see me ticking over. Well, how can I do that so I can do it? And then within a few days, I'd be doing it myself. So it just, it just took time. And then eventually I'd be with the other kids. So it just took a few days longer to just figure out, well, how can I do that, adapt it so I we can able to do it yeah.
0: so i mean what standard did you get to in swimming when did when did swimming kind of get pushed to the side or
1: in about 2005 i got dropped from the national program yeah and i was at university so i thought oh, i'm gonna come back after christmas uh rock up and be a student for the next couple of years okay. but i got um a phone call from uh anthony hughes disability performance director for sport wales and he said, "Why don't you try rowing?" So I spoke to my family. They said, "Well, you could either be very, very good at it or absolutely useless." So I kind of took it on board, and then it kind of went from there, and then made the transition to rowing. Okay. Would well, we like to ask like our awakening type moment? When did you really
0: start to click, and you sort of you found your path, and it felt like you could potentially get to the Paralympics, get to the highest? level in your sport when it became a for you a realistic belief that you can get to the Paralympics not only once but twice
1: probably when i made the the potential swim squad and back in 2003 it would have been and then the realization of saying like Like, trying to visualize what this games would be like it's kind kind of that was what the first one and then the second one when it was actually reality was probably be the year before Beijing when I was in the rowing squad. It's, well, this is only a year away. Yeah. The real possibility of making the team.
0: Quality. I was going to say, how how tough was it to get into that rowing squad the first time round and sort of hold your place in there? And uh, what do you see as a major difference between the Beijing Olympics, obviously they're an away games, if, if you want, and... Yeah. Uh, the London 2012, because I mean, in the build-up to 2012 in London, it was insane, and obviously they put a lot more money into all sports. What, yeah. what was it like? The both tell us about both games and the differences.
1: Uh, for me personally, I think it was a good, good, good thing. I had the games away from home because you didn't have that so much of the media exposure. Yeah, uh, your fam, your family isn't so much in your face that they can get get <laughs> get in contact with you all the time. Cause yeah. You, because it's going to cost loads of money to, to do that. Whereas, whereas my immediate family, my mum mom and dad, are, they're kind of understanding that, that they know I I need my space when I'm competing. The yeah. rest of my family is not so much. So <laughs> it's kind of, as I've progressed through my career, I've got, I've kind of said, well, I've got to accommodate them so much. So I've got to speak to them. So Lon- Lon- London, I was, we were allowed to see our families a bit more. There kind of wasn't that much pressure on us to do to do that, what to, to we didn't have that expectation of going for medals. Whereas in in China, there was an outside chance that I could get a medal. So there's kind of more there's more pressure on the games, but we kind of put it in the media perspective. Uh, we, we 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 we'll make the final. That's the minimum requirement. Anything else is a bonus. But within inside the camp, we know we knew a medal. We had an outside chance of getting a medal.
0: When it comes to rowing, obviously, Great Britain has got a, a very strong tradition. And any yeah. any championships that we go rowing, 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 we, we're we getting medals. I mean, we get gold medals left, right and centre. And it's, it's kind of that, that expectations. Whereas, obviously, yeah. volleyball, we're not known for it at all. And uh, with my involvement in the sitting volleyball team as well, we were literally, it was just about trying to get to the Olympics. Bearing in mind, it was on home turf. It still wasn't a gimme because they didn't want to obviously waste funding on just sending um a bunch of guys out there to sort of embarrass themselves so it was it was just all about trying to make the uh finals and then uh, it seemed like anything else was a bit of a bonus yeah so how did you where did you come in the 2008 where did the team or yourself finish in the paralympics fifth. in 2008 fifth, in the paralympics. fifth. Oh, yeah so close i say fourth is the worst spot but that's very close as well
1: that's the best we could have done on the day and there's, there's people were better on the day and just have to accept that. I wasn't so happy the next day when everybody in, in, the, men, in the men's flat, they've all got medals and I got nothing. So it's a bit <clears throat> I look at it now and it's like, well, you've still managed to make a, far, a Paralympic final. So you can't, yeah. can't have anything to sniff at.
0: So, I mean, when you finished, obviously, 2008 and you come back, what then led you to go into sitting volleyball? I mean, was there a the time, was there a right? I want to come back next time and get the medals in rowing. So obviously four years is a long time and especially in a sort of a class of sport where it's obviously it's it's not like a lot of able-bodied sport. You can survive, make quite a good living out of it and, you know, get all the rewards that can come with potentially getting an Olympic medal. What made you then change sports or did you give up sport at all? Completely, sorry. Or what happened between the two Olympics?
1: Um it wasn't instantly I made the change to volley, but it was i'd gone gone come back from China and I had one more uh world championships with Rowan, but with that that in mind, they were bringing in a classification change, so I knew coming out of China it's like well, I've got one more year let's put everything into it and try and get a medal Well, subsequently that didn't happen but I get I put through everything into it, and then after that year, it's kind of back back to between swimming and rowing. It's like well, I'm coming back to university, uh, getting ready for my final year. Yeah, realistically, just wanted to focus on my degree, get that out of the way. Uh, I think back in the back of my mind, I got another phone call from the performance director. What What's your thoughts about doing sitting volleyball? I was like, I wasn't as I wasn't as keen because I was like, well, I need to I need to knuckle down and get get do well in my degree because it's a final year and it's a lot of hard work so i said well I'll give it a chance but i'm not going to throw everything at it at first
0: okay i mean what do you think has driven you to obviously there's a lot of people with disabilities but obviously not not all of them are a single paralympian let alone a double what do you think i suppose mentally drives you to put in all them extra hours and like, like you say like split your interest when you're a, a Trying to study for your degree to then go and compete at a high-level sport, which something like the parallel—I mean, the sitting volleyball, especially—I knew that that they really wanted a full-time commitment to that. Literally, especially the last year or so, they wanted a—you know—let you to be full-time like a professional. Obviously, not pay you like a professional, but they wanted that kind of commitment. And um as we were just talking about before the interview, it wasn't—if people listening—it it wasn't like a. A fun playing sport type of environment. It was serious business. The the sitting volleyball, and it was um, they were really putting a lot of pressure, and it was it was hard training. What what made you keep you know going at it for most of your adult life? Basically,
1: that's a hard question. I'd like to answer yeah.
0: what drives you to do this? Basically,
1: I think the first the first the first one was one realization: that Paralympics was realis- realistic. It's like, well, I want to get that. Yeah on the next stage, or I want to, well, get a final, get medal, and I think what drove me to kind of compete in London was the opportunity of competing at home in front of your friends and family, and it's like, well, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, you probably won't get another chance of doing it, so that's probably what drove me, it would have been nice if it was somewhere in a a more exotic country, but that's kind of what drove me to come back. Yeah that was my
0: my thinking a lot of a lot of people I wasn't sure if they just say it, saying oh yeah I'm so happy with a home games and I was thinking man if I was competing in the olympics I would have hoped it would have been somewhere like you know brazil or beijing or somewhere like that like it'd be nice to go and compete in a different country I would have thought but um yeah I suppose the 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 home support was huge and obviously I mean yeah. the paralympics it pretty much in, in england especially our t- you know how the public viewed it. It was pretty much on par with the Olympics, and it was it, it was imp- it was the whole thing was just a quality time in in London and England. It was very cool. The whole team, the Paralympic team, just sitting volleyball team. you was on the, sort of the the heroes parade where they had the um you had all the Olympians and Paralympians on the buses going through sort of London, and the the crowds were out in just hundreds of thousands. Will you expect anything like that? Like the media interest and the and the public interest?
1: Um. Well, I wasn't fortunate enough to, not, to do the one after China. So yeah. I was thinking, well, well I'm going to jump at this because yeah. it might not come back around again. It's just mind-blowing how many people, how many people hanging out, out of windows.
0: Yeah, I sure, saw it. Was, it, was, it was ridiculous, yeah. So I suppose um we're going to go to the flip side then. What was in your... How it can be to do with sports, it's completely up to you. But What was one of the sort of... The biggest struggles you've ever had in your life, your career, or maybe your your biggest failures or setbacks, is there anything that springs to
1: mind? A little bit of regret is not getting that elusive uh, mad at the world, on the world stage. It's always everything going well in training and then somewhat another not being able to reproduce it on the day
0: and then we go to flip side that we might have just covered it but what what was one of the i suppose like your, your biggest alpha moments when you thought actually i've done all right here like obviously getting to two paralympics we can that comes in your sort of your introduction your bio but what specific moment when you've just thought right this is awesome like i've done i've done well here
1: i think and it's on election now what is it two years post then yeah. two paralympics i've managed to get through university so I look back on it, I've, I've kind of had a kind of eventful life, and well, I'm still not even thirty yet.
0: <laughs> I gotta say, mate, it's it's not time for the you know for the autobiography yet, or you're only if well, you're not even thirty yet. Yeah, you're just getting going, mate. Well, we're definitely gonna ask what the future holds for you. But this is our Yoda question. you know who helped inspire you along the way? It could be a coach, a mentor along the way, a school teacher It's completely up to you
1: um I think it's, over the years it's, I think it's been several people i've had my mum has been very supportive of my of sporting career. she said she said from the outset when I started out if if you want to be an elite athlete i'll support I'll support you. That's the decision you want to do. if you throw everything at it. Up slightly, but right behind you. So that's one person, and then the other person would be Anthony Hughes. He's kind of steered me in the in the in the right directions when I could have ended my career quite early on.
0: Yeah. So this is the performance director for Paralympic England. What did you say?
1: For uh, uh, Disability Sport Wales. Disability Sport Wales.
0: Well, we're going to move on then. This is our yin yang round. So we're just going to find out a little bit more about you. So just go with your gut. Okay, I'll start you off easy. Night or day? Night. Beijing or London? Beijing. Rowing or volleyball? Rowing. Schwarzenegger or Stallone? Uh, Stallone. A Paralympic medal or a million pounds? I'd probably say the medal. <laughs> Good. Oh, man, That's, I like that, see? We, we, I didn't know which way you go on that. Now, I was trying to make it so it was a, quite a tough choice here. Cool. Okay, then we're going to move on to the complete blank around. Again, this is a, all you got to do is complete my sentence, fill in the blank, and we'll find out a bit more about you. Your best friend would describe you as... Well, Quite
1: sport- I'd say quite sporty. <laughs>
0: I'm, I, I was hoping that, double, double Paralympian. Okay, <laughs> what would... Okay, I've never done this one before. Why would someone not like you? Someone wouldn't like me because I—I'd
1: well, say it's quite I'm so, quite self-centered.
0: See, <laughs> this, this is interesting. Well, I suppose to a level of obviously, in for sports, I know it's a team sport, especially the the volleyball is a team sport. But you, to get to that level, you obviously you do have to be—you have to put yourself you've to, close to the training. You've
1: got to think about yourself first. So I think <laughs> it's probably hurt people, people along the way. Oh yeah, you're not important. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, ruthless. But hey, we're getting inside to a double Paralympian here. So the last time you were drunk was well, I don't drink enough. And So um, would have been, what would be... have been tipsy. Been what? Been at a friend's wedding four years ago. Four years ago.
0: See, elite athlete, good stuff. So even after, mind you, I know uh, I can remember that um. The Great Britain camp around the Paralympics, there was, yeah, there was definitely a, no alcohol going on, but there wasn't any, like, you know, champagne or anything like that after the Paralympics?
1: There was, after the closing ceremony. Yeah. Were, like, you kind of you let your hair down. Your favourite movie of all time is? I'd have to say probably, like, the Blade series. Any particular one, the first one, or just the whole shebang? Uh, I'd probably say the first one. Your definition of success would be well. Now I have look on reflection, probably having a good career. A good career to you would be um, one Paralympic, one Paralympic is probably success as it is. <laughs> <laughs> there we go,
0: mate. You're all good then. No worries. I definitely thought you was going to say uh, Paralympic medal. Something you fear is probably injury. I man. You're definitely an elite-level athlete, because that, that would have been my answer for a long time, yeah. I hate injuries. What was your worst injury?
1: I think the worst one I had, I tore a little bit of my rotator cuff when I was in the rowing squad.
0: How did your shoulders get on with playing sitting volleyball? What was your worst injury in sitting volleyball?
1: The worst one I had was probably a couple of months out from London. I had a forearm injury. I couldn't shake for months, so at the back of my mind, I'm thinking... Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna recover. Here. I'm not gonna yep. make the game. I managed to get on top of it because I kept going back. It kept flaring up and then calming down. I go back training too yep. early, flare it up again. So I said, "Well, I need to get this sorted." Yeah.
0: Well, that's and one thing. If you've got any sort of injuries, especially in that environment, I remember when I was there, it was um, it was a lot of overuse injuries, and they were putting in the hours, and it was that was kind of you'd have training days all the time, and it would be like hours and hours and hours on court. It was it was uh. So your shoulders and wrists and things took an absolute battering and uh, yeah, it was relentless. Someone who maybe hasn't ever seen sitting volleyball, the best thing about sitting volleyball to you is? The
1: speed of it.
0: Yeah, that's a good answer. It is really fast, isn't it? So, I mean, how would you explain sitting volleyball to someone who hasn't seen it or played it or yeah, or experienced it in the slightest?
1: You're having to re- react probably, I don't know, at least Ten times quicker, yeah, because you're be you that much faster.
0: Yeah, and all the all those obviously the hits and all the things. It's all the same skills that you're actually making contact with the ball. So, it, like you say, it's just less time to react. It's a really, it's a fun game to play in the right circumstances when it's not under a lot of pressure with a, quite an uh, aggressive coach.
1: I probably have to say one of the rowing coaches. He said from me point blank, if 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 you bat, you beat everybody that's put in front of you from the onset that's it we'll just cut that's trials over with you've got the position so he was point blank with me if you put in the work and you beat everybody we'll go with you so that it was i think there was a common trust that's
0: nice that's what you need because we talked about other situations where you know you can uh, you're not sure what no matter what you do or certain um situations where coaches might have either their favorites or ulterior motives and they might have something in their minds so and no matter whether you do beat people who are in front of you or you do potentially earn your place it, it might not be as obvious as that we're going to move on then this is the alpha round and we're just going to look for any sort of really sort of tools tips and resources that maybe you have and advice you can give so we're going to start that off with is there a particular book recommendation that either one of your favorite books of all time or one you could recommend when you're when you're really trying to excel and get to a high level in sports.
1: I'd have to say the Steve Redgrave uh, book inspired because he, 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 he he talks about his early life in sport all the way through until, until he's made well five, five Olympics.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, so again, anyone in great Britain will know about, you cannot not know about Steve Redgrave, but anyone else listening, he, He's uh, been to five different Olympic Games and he's got a gold medal. So he's five time Olympian, five gold medals from five separate games. So he's in England or oh, Great Britain, he's known as, you know, an Olympic legend. I think it's Sir Chris Hoy matched him. I think Sir Chris Hoy is just in this, he just uh, passed him, I think. He at least got five. Chris Hoy got five. You might know, does he pass him? Did he get six, Chris Hoy? I think he might have got six. I think, yeah, I think he might have. So, so uh, yeah, Olympic legend. And obviously that book is. Um, it, based on Rome, which was obviously your early career was Ryan. so good recommendation. Um, is there a particular quote that you like to live your life by, or just, uh, it could be either you, something you say, or something that's in your head when times are tough?
1: One of the quotes I had, I think, when I was in, in the sport environment, I think it's I'm not, I don't know if it's word for word, but you're not there to, you're not there to be a tourist.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard one of them, you know, yeah, about spect- you're not there to be a spectator, but yeah, tourists, I like that. That, was, that, that might have happened when you was in Beijing. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> now, this one, um, depending on where you are and your gadgets and stuff, I know we haven't really talked about what you're up to at the moment because obviously you retired from that. You are the media officer for a... Bar, you're into your basketball now, aren't you? You sit. Yeah. You've always loved your basketball. You're into your wheelchair basketball at the moment. And you are... What is your official title? Is it the media officer for which basketball team is that?
1: Real Raptors.
0: Where are they based?
1: Uh, it's a club based in North Wales. Have you got any
0: resources or... With all your media sort of you're the media officer, and it could be to do with that or just in for being productive in everyday life. Any any resources that yeah. speak to mind?
1: Well the resources I use, uh well obviously social media, so Twitter, Facebook, a little bit of Instagram, uh and then obviously for highlighting the the club from a video standpoint, I use a lot of YouTube. Um, and finally then what was the one question
0: that you thought I was going to ask or you'd hoped I'd ask, or have I kind of covered it? Is there anything that springs to mind that
1: you'd like to put across? I'd, I'd say, well, for like some of those sports, give, give even if you're able bodied you might as well give it a try because domestically you can compete in any disability sport. Link to that then. What
0: sort of advice would you give to people? Cause I mean, I, it sounds like, you know, you don't overthink it or go too deeply into it, but what, what advice would you give to people when, if they want to compete in sports or just in life, when there there are tough times? You've obviously managed to stick with it to two Paralympics, obviously because it can't have been plain sailing. And I know some, you know, in tough conditions, it might be a coach you don't like, might be a situation that's out of your control. And you've got to really be consistent and keep bringing it every day to make these teams. What advice would you give to people if they want to try and you know, get to an elite level
1: in in sports, in careers, in business, what advice would you give? Uh, from a sport sporting standpoint, if it's a sport that you love, you shouldn't let anybody stand in your way. If you want to achieve and get to that high level, there's always going to be barriers in the way. It's just overcoming them. Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm sort of joining the dots a little bit and you said I'm not the first person to do this. You've competed in rowing at the Beijing Paralympics. You competed then in sitting volleyball at, uh, obviously, London Paralympics. It's only two years now till the next Olympics, Rio. um, And basketball, uh, wheelchair basketball was one of your first loves. And you're you're involved with basketball at the moment. Is there a potential? What is the future of you? And did you ever think about potentially going for a third Paralympics, attempting either in the same sport or a
1: different sport? I think after London, I thought... I. Kind of thought, oh yeah, well, we have not done very well here. I've not done very well here. Kind of yeah. going a little backwards with my career. Uh, I I felt quite fancy going to a third third games, but kind of as, as the years progress, it's like, mm-hmm. well, I look back at it. I've had a good career. The the injuries are kind of starting to uh pick, what, pick up. Yeah. I'm quite happy watch. I'm quite happy watching one. <laughs> That's a tricky thing
0: as well. It's it's kind of all or nothing as well, isn't it? And it's four years. You can't sort of think, yeah, I might give it a go. You've either got to go for it, literally commit to the four years, and then you've got the potential of literally getting cut from the team or not making the team or even making the team and then having an injury right near the near the game. So it is a, a big commitment. Who do you think I should interview next or very soon? And we usually you can have a couple of recommendations. It could be someone you'd just like to listen to their interview. You might not be connected to them in any way. Or it could be someone you've, you know, you've been in contact with through either either of the Olympics or Paralympics um, and you think would be really good for the show. Is there anyone who springs to mind who's a bit of an alpha and you think would be cool to have on the show? I'd,
1: I'd say it'd be interesting to... He's, he, does, he doesn't like doing his... Well... He, at the time, a couple of years ago, he didn't like doing his media stuff. So I'd I'd probably say Justin Phillips, another teammate, <laughs> be interested to see what he would have to say about his experience. Mister, Mister Furious. <laughs> That's what I think. He, I'm sure he got better, but yeah, he
0: he's got. I loved it. He was a he. He started uh, sitting volleyball exactly the same time as me. He was. Um, we went to the both sort of Paralympic potential day after I did my knee, in. and uh, yeah, he's he's quality. I always think he's got hands like dinner plates. They're absolutely massive. <laughs> Absolutely like two bunches of bananas on the end of his wrist just dangling around. But um yeah, intensity, a little bit furious, uh yeah. good good guy. I, I like him a lot. So uh, we we'll see. Yeah, that <laughs> I can't I can't get the whole team. I'll tell you who I thought would have been interesting as well, but you know what we we're just talking about before the interview, if he listens in, Anton. Because obviously he's off in South Africa and we do like to get people yeah. around the world. And even when I was in, involved with the team, he was um, he was very entrepreneurial. He was always up to something. We had good chats about his little adventures in business and projects always, he was up to.
1: Always jetting off somewhere. Yeah, he's he always up to
0: something there. interesting. So that's very cool. Who would you like to have interviewed on this show that you would, someone you'd tune into to listen to that you can either know him or you don't know him. They could be a famous person. It's up to you.
1: I'd say Colin Jackson.
0: Ah, he's an absolute legend. That's a good idea, actually. Because obviously, obviously, Colin Jackson, again, if, if you're around the world, if, if you're sort of anything to do with Wales or Great Britain, you would know him because he's a high hurdler, was the world record holder for a long time for high hurdles and uh, absolute legend from Wales. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. And now he's a BBC commentator. So, that would yeah, that would be a brilliant one. That's a good show, actually. Okay, well, what's the best way if anyone wants to find out more about what you're up to? Um, what's the best way to get in contact with you and uh, follow you?
1: The uh, okay, best way to get follow me now would be either my Twitter account or I've got a Facebook page now. of
0: course cool. so is that just at James Roberts?
1: It's James O. Roberts 11. Okay. And then my Facebook one is James Robert Athlete.
0: Perfect. Well, it sounds like it's not going to be three times, Paralympians. So what does the future hold for you? What's
1: coming up? I'm just trying to get as high up level in basketball as I can domestically. So hopefully one day playing in uh, what is now the Premiership.
0: Thanks. Thanks so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to catch up. No worries. Good to catch up. Cheers. Check out this fantastic podcast. Do the little guy a favour. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. The Alpha Ultimatum, my 10-week malperformance mentoring. Build your body, build your mind, live limitless. Get 2015 started right. We'll be working on your inner game as well as building the body to match. We start in January, so now is the time. Go to adamlewiswalker.com, click get involved, and you have the application form right there. And guys, happily I can announce we are now on Instagram at awakenyouralpha. I look forward to seeing you, following you as well and seeing photos of all the listeners of Awaken Your Alpha and what you guys get up to. I'd love to have you join my Instagram and follow me and uh, I look forward to seeing you on there. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, live limitless.